go, yes, we rotate. 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high. Welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine produced by apprentices of the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program here at KPFA. I'm your host, Zakia G.E.K. Park. The art of storytelling is tonight's theme. And for your listening pleasure, I have in the studio some extraordinary writers that will capture you with their gift of expressing words through storytelling, poetry, narrative, and song. Welcome back to Full Circle. If you just tuned in, tonight our show is entitled The Art of Storytelling. My first guest is Linda Moore. She is a local Bay Area storyteller who has been sharing her gift of storytelling for many years. After studying improvisation and storytelling in Marin County and San Francisco, she joined StageBridge, the nation's oldest and most renowned Oakland-based theater company for older adults. To date, Linda has performed stories for children of all ages in the Oakland and Richmond school districts. Linda Moore was a featured storyteller at the Orenda Library in 2015 and created a storytelling event for Black History Month that same year. Linda's creativity is at the top of her agenda. She specializes in African folk tales, strong and wise women tales, Jackie Torrance's best known, best loved and personal stories. Linda Moore, it is my pleasure to welcome you and your warm and engaging spirit to Full Circle. Thank you so much, Zakir. It's so great to be here. All right. I would like to to begin by um, letting you know that I actually went to Webster's New World Dictionary of the American Language, second college edition, to define storyteller and griot. Storyteller, the first definition I I read was uh, a person who narrates stories, and the second definition was a fibber or liar. Then I looked up griot, and do you know that there was no definition in Webster's Dictionary for griot? So what is a griot? Ah, I'm so glad you asked. You see, griot are historian storytellers that begin in the ancient country of Africa. Hmm. They were stor- storytellers that were usually accompanied by dance, by music, by praise song, and poetry. And they were male and female, and they were what I call the speaking testimonial Mm -hmm. of the society's history. 
Also, on a grander level, I think that griot um, is the culture knowledge of people, of the people, and the development of their country. Things like carrying on the tradition of libations, Mm -hmm. births and deaths, the epic of wars, all these kinds of things, the, the development of the land, the development of the people, and they keep passing it down from generation to generation. Oh, that is so beautiful. It's very involved. Yes. It's the whole culture yes. of people, of the people of, of the African continent. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for that definition, since I could not find it. <laughs> so I would like to know, do you, well, what are some of your what are some of the, uh, are there other, rather, are there other traditional definitions of griot that you can possibly think of? Well, one that I can think of is um, by a man that I call Baba Jamal Karam. Mm-hmm. And he's a master storyteller in the African-American tradition. And someone asked him that question, and he said, a griot knows his people, knows who they are, knows the history, knows what will be and what can be, knows that there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. And then, and only then, you bring it to the people. All right. <laughs> Thank you for that. So, so what would you, what do you like to be called? Storyteller or griot? Storyteller. Okay. And is there a particular reason for, for that? I, I, in my mind, have um, a feeling that storyteller go through stages, the storyteller, this master storyteller, and then you go to griot. Ah, okay. Makes sense. We'd, we'd be really honored, Linda, if you could share a short children's story with us. Ah, and I do have one. It's called, Why Anansi Has Eight Thin Legs. Once upon a time, a long time ago, there lived a spider called Anansi, and his wife was a good cook. But Anansi, well, he liked to taste the flavors and foods of others in the village. And he liked to taste what people were having with their families. So he went along the road, and there he saw his friend, the rabbit. Mmm, mmm, mmm. I smell some good greens. You know, I love greens. Mr. Rabbit said, well, you know, they're not done yet. But if you like, you could come and join us sooner or later. I'd love to, but not right now. I have something I have to do, but I tell you what I am going to do. I'm going to spend a big web, and I'm going to tie one end to my leg and the other end to them big pot of greens. And when the greens are done, just give them a tug, and I'll come running. Later, he went down the road, Mmm, mmm, delicious red beans. Oh, my goodness. I'm 
want some beans. He was talking to his other friend, the monkey. And the monkey said, they're almost done. If you'd like, you could join us for dinner. Oh, I'd love to, he said. But I have something I need to do. But what I will do is spend a big web. And I'll tie one end to my leg and the other end to them big pot of beans. Ooh, I just can't wait. And the monkey said, we'd love to have you. And so it was done. And then he moved on. And oh my goodness, mm, mm, mm. sweet potatoes. Sweet potatoes with honey. Ooh, now you know that's good. I just can't wait. Well, he was talking to his friend, the hog. And the hog said, 10 more minutes, 10 more minutes, and these will be done. He said, oh, I would love to have some. And the hog said, well, the hog said why don't you just join us? He said, I'd love to, but not right now. But I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to spin a big web, and I'm going to tie one part to my leg and the other end to that good old pot of sweet potatoes. Dog said, we'd love to have you. Oh, thank you, he said. And then he moved on down the road. And he went and he met five other friends, and he talked to all of them about food. And then he was so proud of himself. Oh, my goodness, he said, I'm going to really have a feast. And then he said, I wonder who will be the first to tug my leg. And he felt this little tug. Oh, my goodness, he said, the man, the, the greens, I smell those greens. And then there was a second tug, and then a third tug, and they were going all kinds of directions. And then there was a fourth, a fifth, a sixth, a seventh, an eighth, and they were pulling in all directions. And as they pulled, his legs got thinner and thinner after being thick and wide. Oh, my goodness. He started to crawl to the river. He fell into the river. And all of a sudden, the webs were dissolved. He got back up and he dragged himself back to shore. Oh, my goodness. This was not such a good idea after all. And ever since then, Anansi the spider had small, thin eight legs. And after all of that, he didn't get to eat any of the food after all. Oh, what a story. It had me totally captivated. I, I couldn't wait to just hear what was going to happen once those legs started getting tugged. I kind of thought, oh, my goodness, <laughs> you know, that could happen. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I'm sure that the children that you share that with are just totally engrossed and, um, and really have a good time listening to your story. So, you know, I, I understand that call and response is like such a wonderful way to involve the audience mm -hmm. with a story. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if you can 
share a call and response story with us. Yes, I do have one. And it's called John the Rabbit. And it was first that I know was done by um, Queen Noor. And so when I say a phrase and pause, then I would like for you to say, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Okay, I can do that. Okay. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am? Yes. Okay. All right. John the Rabbit. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Had a mighty bad habit. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Jumping in my garden. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. Eating all my cabbage. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. And if I live. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. To see next fall. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I ain't gonna live, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, to see the garden at all. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, my sweet potatoes. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and my ripe tomatoes. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am. I said, John the Rabbit. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, had a mighty bad habit. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and if I live. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Until next fall. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I ain't gonna see. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. No garden at all. (laughs) Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, that was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for sharing that and and teaching me about call and response. Hmm. Is there anything, Linda, in your family history that connects you to storytelling? Ah, yes. My grandmother and my aunt. My grandmother, I considered like a griot because, well, she told the family's history all the time. Mm -hmm. And she was very much into family into family values, and she was a straight-up woman. Okay. And so she always was about family, no matter how it was in the family, whether you were married or unmarried, um, children out of wedlock, drug addictions, anything. She didn't deny anybody anything. Family was family to her. And... We found out that we had some brothers and sisters that we didn't know about. Mm-hmm. My grandmother got right on it. She tracked them down. She got names, <laughs> addresses, and phone numbers and brought it back to us and shared it with us and told us that we need to keep in contact with family All because right. family is family, as and you can't miss out on family. As it should be. And my aunt... Well, she was what I considered a back porch storyteller. And she actually had a back porch built to her house. It had um, bricks at the bottom, a fenced-in window area, and a rooftop. Mm, Was there a swing there? It wasn't a swing. What she had inside was a bed. Okay. And in the summertime, you slept on the bed because it was cool out there. Mm -hmm. We always played jacks on the porch, and um, she would always win. (laughs) And then she would tell us stories. And she would always tell us stories uh, about her mother and her father and all the rest of the members of the family. But the story that she told the most often was about her father. Mm -hmm. 
You see, her father and her were very close. And they used to always play, play, tag, you're it, tag, you're it. They would play it all the way and up and down the field. And then when they get to the gate, she would walk to school. And she would be back to meet him after school. And this went on day after day. Until one day she came back and her father wasn't there at the gate. So she ran to the chicken coop. He wasn't there. She ran to the river. He wasn't there. She ran through the fields. He wasn't there. And then she started running home. Mama, Mama, I can't find Daddy. Mama, Mama. And as she was walking up to the house, her mother was out, side the door, and so was her aunt. And her aunt was shaking her head. Oh, Lord. So my grandmother brought my aunt in and set her down at the kitchen table. And she said to her, I'm sorry to tell you this. Your father passed away this morning. And my aunt went crazy. She started yelling and screaming, and she ran out the door, and she slammed it, and she kept going and running and running until she fell in front of the chicken coop. And you see, she was help raising a baby chicken, hmm. and the baby chicken had died. Oh, she was devastated. She started running and running and running back to her mother. Mama, Mama, the chicken died. And she went inside, and her mother set her down. And she said to her, Mommy, is it true? She said, what, baby? That everything must die. That nobody lives forever? I'm afraid so, my dear. Things change. Things come and things go. That's all I know. Hmm. That's the end of that story. Okay. Well, Linda, I just love the way you went into the story. I did not expect that you would it would be such a smooth transition or how you would really get into the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really very nice. Very nice story. Um, Linda Moore can be contacted via email uh, at L-I-N-D-A-M-O-O-R-E-S-T-O-R-Y-T-E-L-L-E-R-2, the number two, at gmail.com. So that's Linda Moore, storyteller, Two at gmail.com. And I would like to know, uh, do you have any last-minute words for that you'd like to share or, or something to talk about that you didn't? Well, I, I believe in the whole story. I think sometimes we get aspects of a story, mm-hmm. and if we don't know the history and if we don't know the other aspects of the story and connect it all together, we don't have a whole story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I encourage everybody to tell the whole story. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you for those uh, wonderful words. And um, I want to thank you, Linda Moore, for being on Full Circle tonight. 
Yeah, I had a great time listening to your stories, and I'm sure the audience also enjoyed listening to your stories. And so Linda Moore has something for everyone, stories for everyone. And I just want to give her email address out again, Linda Moore Storyteller 2 at gmail.com. And um, at this time, I um, just want to let you know that um, up next we have Cousin Zyka, who is a local Bay Area writers group. And this group is a multi-talented group of storytellers, poets, novelists, playwrights, performers. But first, we're going to take a music break. Please stay with me.
Welcome back to Full Circle. If you just tuned in, you've been listening to Family Reunion by Jill Scott. I want to let you know that the First Voice Media Apprenticeship Program is now outreaching for new members for the Group 42. So you can go to our website at kpfaapprentice.org. That's kpfa. A-P-P-R-E-N-T-I-C-E dot O-R-G to get an application. Our deadline is February the 12th and uh, there is a mandatory orientation on February the 18th. Um, I have some members of Cousin Zyka, a local Bay Area writers group in the studio with me at this time. Cousin Zyka is a group of multi-talented writers and performers. So we're in for a real treat. So I have with me Charles Blackwell, Basola, Nefertiti, and Paradise. So I'd like to start with, uh, with Charles Blackwell, and I'd like for uh, him to give us a little intro on him, and then we're going to move on to um, Basola, uh, Nefertiti, and uh, Paradise. Now, it doesn't have to be in that order. You can just jump in after Charles you can, and give, yourself, give a little intro. So, Charles, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay, I'm a, a writer, been writing since uh, probably 1969 uh, when I was in uh, classes and took, uh, well, we, involved for the, we got involved with the Demands for Black Studies and I took the first African-American literature, literature class at uh, Sacramento City College. Okay. Okay. Um, so who would like to, to go next? Was that it, Charles, for you for the moment? <clears throat> Oh, okay. Okay, okay. So, Nefertiti or whoever wants to jump right in to. Good evening. My name is Nefertiti, and um, when my time comes, I'm just going to share some of my uh, novel that I wrote for the youth. It's called "It's Only the Beginning," and I wrote it for them to help them make better decisions in life and to build better and more positive communities. Peace and blessings, love and light, guidance and protection, day and night. Thank you for this opportunity to speak on the mic. Uh, my poem will tell who I am. Paradise. Hi, I'm Basola, and I am a writer, performer, also um, a teacher. And all of my work involves um, creating form, so... I'm here to share some today, tonight. Okay. Well, thank you all for, for that uh, brief int introduction. Um, so I'd like to ask uh, Charles. Um, we have some, a little technical difficulty at the moment. Okay. Okay. So, Charles, yes, yeah. I, I just wanted to um, to ask you... Why is the group named Cousin Zyka? Okay, uh, 
I used to belong to a group in Sacramento during the 90s. And part of uh, 2000, early 2000, it was called uh, Zika, Z-I-C-A. And uh, later they found out that name. Actually, uh, they had stumbled onto this name under the direction of Ethel Ballard. And uh, she was part of an early Negro uh, theater company in uh, Cleveland. And uh, she stumbled onto this name. And this guy, his name was Abraham. He came to the group. He's actually from Ghana. And he said in Ghana there was a word in, in Ghana uh, that, that was called Zika. And uh, uh, so... This group had as many as 65 uh, people, mostly African-American. And uh, out of that 65, two people got picked up by the big publishers. And uh, and out of that 65, at least uh, probably 45 had either did a chapbook or a self-publication of some time. And uh, it was really, a, it turned into a real cultural catalyst in Sacramento. Okay. Well, that thank you for, for, thank you for that. And I just want to say, so that means that... Uh, your cousins of the Sacramento group. That's correct. Kind of okay. So, what is your vision for Cousin Zika? Uh, hopefully, we continue on and uh, get even larger, and you know, maybe it could be a springboard to go from here to other things. Uh, for instance, a bookstore folded up in San Francisco. That's not the end. You know, maybe somebody might be encouraged to uh, start a book collective, a book uh, organization, a book part, book, what do you call it, a reader's club or something. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one thing springs, it starts at one point and leads to another. Uh, so, you know, we kind of get despair thinking that, you know, we're getting chopped down on all sides, but there's other ways to, you know, approach it at another angle and uh, continue on and because we can't let our culture, you know, be discarded or die or disappear. That's right. So I'd like, and, and anyone, and uh, you all can answer um, this, my next question, I, I wanted to, I want to ask, what is it that inspires you to persevere with your writing? It's a, it's a God-given talent, and uh, a friend of mine, Alan Laird, he used to have a gallery here in Oakland, and he said, uh, he made this statement, he said, you know, for other people, it's a luxury. It's something that they can do like a hobby, but for the African-American to exist and cope and survive, they have to participate in their culture some kind of way because it's a, mean, a, it's a means of existing and trying to cope in this society in which we live. This is, uh, this is America, and we're still a downtrodden people, and we're still... Uh, you know, we have to deal with some kind of attack on 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 all sides, uh, and so uh, trying to look at and investigate and become a, a part of our cultural things—that's one way of so we c- we can understand. We can't fight, we can't beat the system, but we've shown up where it. We can wear it down, we can wear it out. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. So, does anyone else want to talk about what makes you continue to persevere? Well, I want to say that um, this is Basola. I want to say that it's something that I have to do. If I don't do it, I feel incomplete. Creativity is a way of life for me. I have to be involved in the creative process. And for me, um, the primary way that that has come about is through writing and music. I also perform um, with the group... Um, and uh, Odima, and we do spoken word and music. Um, I perform with uh, Marisa Kenyatta and Lionel Tanner on bass, Marisa on piano. And um, I just feel that it's a very necessary part of living mm. to be involved creatively in life. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I think for all people, I mean, for those of us that are creators of, of the word or um, singing, painting, and those that come to to come to hear us and come to see the work that we do. That's also extremely important for, for all people just to experience it, whether you're performing in it or not. So I definitely agree with that. So Nefertiti or Paradise, did you want to chime in for um, to say anything about that at all? Your creative process? What uh, yeah, it, it has to be about um, love. I had a poetry and creative writing workshop that I did and then I also do and uh, one of the students wanted to know if he should take this job that pays a lot of money or continue his writing career and if you have to ask that question then you probably shouldn't write because it's something that you must do as an artist it's something that you must do and that you have to do and nothing's going to stop you from doing it. It's like being a rose. You're going to be a rose. If you're an apple tree, you're going to be an apple tree. If you're an artist, if you're a poet, you're going to be that. It's like um, breathing. And as uh, I think it was Ishmael Reed who said it, um, writing is fighting. Okay. So I, um, Nefertiti, did you want to chime in? Um, I'll just say that the Creator gave me this story, and I have many reasons to believe that that it was given to me. Part of it, I experienced everything I've seen and lived through, and my friends have lived through, and things that I've learned. Um, I feel like I learned those things for a reason. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to write stories for our children, we need if we want good stories telling history and telling our story. For our children, we need to write them. And that's what made me begin to write this story is when my daughter was young mm -hmm. and I looked in the store, Marcus Books had a tremendous amount of children's books, but they didn't all say what I felt was important. And so I said, well, I need to start writing what I would like to have in the books myself. Yeah, that's so beautiful. So well said. And, and I agree with that. Yeah, we have to give our children our culture, our history, because we know it best. Yeah. I would like to know who would like to start um, to do a little um, presentation. I'd love to hear all of your stories. So, Nefertiti, do you want to use it? Okay. Thank you. Um, so, like I said, my name is Nefertiti, and the name. I'm going to read a few words from a novel that I wrote for the youth. It's called "It's Only the Beginning." Um, I'm going to start near the beginning, and the beginning starts in heaven. But 99% of the book is in, in on on Earth, so just this first part has uh, takes place in heaven. Just then there was a disturbance at the gates of heaven, and St. Peter ran to God and announced, God is Satan, the pest. He's at the gates, and he wants to speak with you. Satan's evil spirit flew into heaven to God. <clears throat> God just looked at Satan, knowing that his end was near. God, says Satan, you're wasting time on those people on earth. They're no good. Look at them. The rich don't share, and the poor suffer. 
The rich get even greedier, and the poor try to get rich so they can be greedy. They hate you, God, and they hate Jesus. They're destroying the earth and each other. Satan continued, look at all the murders, wars, and senseless killings. They even do drive-bys in the cities. Ridiculous. They kill each other over $5 or over a pair of shoes. Some will kill a person who just looks at them funny. Some young people will kill someone just to become a member of a gang. A demon wouldn't even do that. They're evil, God. You need to destroy the whole bunch. Just let me bomb up the place. Satan, God said, leave. So Satan left heaven. He laughed when he got outside heaven with his homies. What's up, boss? One of the demons asked Satan. God's still trying to save the people. He still has compassion for them, Satan answered. And they're already on the verge of starting another war, replied Dirty Dog, Satan's chief demon. Come on, Satan said, let's have some fun. Let's spread the guns, the hatred, the violence, the drugs, and the pornography. These drugs are so powerful nowadays, it'll take God himself to get the people unhooked. Sure is some wicked stuff, the demons answered. Now that's what I'm talking about, says Satan. And make sure to spread a lot of guns in the community, because when the youth get hold of a gun, they think they're powerful. Yeah, powerful enough to spend their lives in prison, said Dirty Dog, and all the demons laughed. Satan asked, the scary part is some of these humans are so evil, they're almost worse than we are. Ain't that a fact, answered one of the devils. Some of them are so touchy and wicked, they shoot and kill others before we even get a chance to set it up. Dang, said the devil. Now that's heavy. What's a devil to do? Um, later in the story, we find out that there's a, a house called Kwanzaa House, and a lot of things take place there. Not only the Kwanzas, but... They have after-school programs. They teach African-American history. They teach about self and uh, many classes and even how to build a business. And everyone in the community loved it. Everyone except the big dope man. When he realized his, sale biz his sales were slipping, he wanted to get down to the bottom of it. And what he discovered is that Kwanzaa House was destroying his business. The people were happy, they had a purpose, and they didn't need the drugs. Um, so the big dope man decided, well, Kwanzaa House has to go. And he looked all over the neighborhood trying to find people to help get rid of it once and for all. But he couldn't find anyone. Even the gangsters like it because their kids are involved in it. So he looked for the worst of the worst, and lo and behold, he found them. No Good Sam, Rot Gut, Sly, Trifling Joe, and D Low Down. A few days later, or a few nights later, the whole gang was together, the Motley crew. They were on their way to Kwanzaa House. They checked their ammunition, loaded their guns, and proceeded to Kwanzaa House. Now, what they didn't know is that God had sent some of his angels to protect Kwanzaa House. No Good Sam went around the back of Kwanzaa House with his gasoline and matches. He was looking forward to burning Kwanzaa House down because he loved doing no good. He hopped the fence, opened a gasoline can. Then all of a sudden he heard a fierce noise. Seemed like it was coming from all over. In front of him, behind him, to the left, to the right. And it was. All six of the pet rattlesnakes that were behind Kwanzaa House were sitting up for attack. Oh, shh, 
No good Sam yelled after he running. He dropped a gasoline can and matches. Forgot there was a fence, tore it down as he jumped through it, running all the way to the hospital. The other men didn't know what was going on, but they couldn't lo lose focus because they had a job to do. Um, I'm going to end there, but later that night, Satan was talking to the demons, and he said, that was some strange stuff. No good Sam getting bitten in the booty by the rattlesnakes. And uh, Dirty Dog said, you know what? For a second, I thought I saw Gabriel and Michael, the archangel. Is that even possible? Hmm. Mm. What a beautiful story. It's so real. It just brought us to what's going on today and, you know, futuristically, you know, what's going to happen. So, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I'm, I know the audience did also. Okay, thank, thank you so you. much for that, Nefertiti. Yeah, I'd love to hear more. And I'm going to have to get your book okay. so I can read all about it myself. Yeah, so um, for, I need to hear from my tech uh, director to know how, how, what my timing is like at the moment. Um, I'm waiting for my tech instruction. And is it too late to request <laughs> What kind of time do I have?
Hey, welcome back to Full Circle. Well, that was Sweet Honey in the Rock. And that song was Come By Here. It's on their 20th anniversary uh, album that's entitled Still on the Journey. I'm in conversation with Cousin Zyka, a writer's collective. And right now I have uh, Charles Blackwell, who is going to give us a rendition of his writing. My name is Charles Curtis Blackwell, and this, uh, I got three short pieces. Uh, the first one is a Quan Saba for Bigger Thomas, the narcotics pusher man. There cometh bigger, caring self-hatred. Grin unreal, hands once dipped in blood. Sees us born in fury and rage. Says this dust will fix your soul, deliver you cold as stone to the grave, cash falling from his pockets, his eyes violent, having never been loved. This is the second Quan Saba, Quan Saba for Eugene B. Redmond, standing on the shoulders of the ancestors. Dirt dust history. Born from days of slaves, lies and deceit, stripped by jewels of light. Seekers of truth, born to inspire life. Bigger be bitter, for this is love. Baraka, Sonia, Eugene, Haki, just a few. Keepers of the camp culture, and so are we. Now listen and rise with these bluesed black stones. And this is a short piece uh, at Luna's Cafe in Sacramento. It's like a, a poetry hub also where they, I used to do, I must have read a zillion times. Uh, her name is M.J. McWhorter. She organized an exhibit and they put the poems on little boards. And mm -hmm. so it's an exhibit that's taking place right now in Sacramento. And this is one of the pieces I have in the exhibit. And it's, uh, it's entitled uh, Smile. Okay. Smile. When you smile, I can feel God move inside of me. Smile again against the sun's glow so I can see God move across your face. Okay, well, thank you for that, Charles. Very, very nice. I, I always enjoy your, your poetry, and um, as well as other forms of uh, media that you do. Right now, we're going to hear from Basola. Okay, um, <clears throat> this is a story that I wrote um, when I was... Um, working in child abuse prevention services uh, many years ago. And it's called um, This Girl Who Had to Nurture Her Soul. Ooh. This is the story of a girl who had to nurture her soul. This is the story of a family that didn't recognize its wealth. So this family couldn't attain its goal. Oh, their 
there's Buster Johnson, he's talking about how much money he makes and the things he owns. Buster also brags about his Johnson and the women he controls. Says he's a man and deserves his free time. Buster's bragging is something to behold. In the mirror over there is Jasmine Johnson. Jasmine tells her friends just how much money her husband gives her to spend. Jasmine likes to shop and make sure everything she buys for her kids is tip-top. Whoa. Whoa. Here is Crystal. Buster and Jasmine's oldest child. Crystal likes to read, wants to learn to sing, and play the violin. But she doesn't know how to reach any of those things. Crystal watches brother Joey and sister Kim, 8 and 10, after school and weekends. 9.30 in the mall. Jasmine made her way home then. Miss King met her in the hall as she put her key in the door. Now, Jasmine, I know you're a good mother. I see how nice, clean you keep them. Dress them well, and I know you want to raise them white. That's why I want you to know that big girl of yarn left them little ones by themselves. I had to go over to the library to pick up my tax forms around about four. That girl was sitting with her head buried in a book. She didn't even hear me when I spoke. I knew she was supposed to be home, but I didn't say anything. After she saw me, she tried to sneak out quick. The lady at the desk called her back and made her pull a book from under her coat and asked, Why didn't you check it out instead of trying to steal it? Said she didn't have no card. One more chance, the lady said, to bring one of y'all in to get her one. But if she tried to take books again, she couldn't come back no more. Girl, you better tend to that gal. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. Jasmine went inside and put her packages down. Then pulled the belt from behind her bedroom door and called, Krista, Miss King told me. But Mama, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, shut up. Plop, 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 plop. Buster finished his free time and got home about 12.30 that night. After Jasmine finished complaining about him staying out so late, she told him about Crystal's action that day. Buster pulled his belt from his waist and went into Crystal's room. Wake up! Hard as I work to give you everything you're going to steal, but I, 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 shut up! Buster hit her hard till all his anger was done. All the while, Crystal refused to cry. In the morning, she was gone and never found. Crystal had read about a place that helped runaways. Now when they meet, 
Miss King looks down. Jasmine and Buster looks the other way. And to each other, they have nothing to say, especially today. It's Crystal's 28th birthday. Bobby, baby, 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 So beautiful. Thank you, Basola. Oh, very, very beautiful. So we have up next, Paradise. And feel free to imp- improvise doing my poem if you feel, feel it. I think I got a beat coming. Yeah. Good morning, Ferguson, Baltimore, and Flint, Michigan. And thank you for giving me the mic. Check it out. An MC is like a modern-day shaman. The ancient shaman were medicine men who would go into trances and have visions that they enabled the whole tribe to see and oftentimes be healed by. Likewise, an MC must move the crowd. So I say it loud. We poets and MCs must occupy as many small mics as we can because they got the big mics. The governor's mic can reach 30 million Californians. The president's mic can reach 350 million Americans. And the Pope can get on the mic and reach a billion Catholics. Now that's a mic. But do you remember anything the Pope has said? Give me the mic and you will learn things like a woman trying to give birth lying on her back in the horizontal position the modern western way is half as bad as a woman trying to give birth standing on her head during these first days of the new world we are creating childbirth will be easier as we return to the ancient African and indigenous people's way of squatting and with the more vertical birth canal allowing mother nature and gravity to help bring newborns into the world. These are the kind of things you will learn at Paradise's 2016 Cultural World's Fair. The whole world is coming to Oakland for the 50th anniversary of the Black Arts Movement West, the 50th anniversary of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense, and for the 50th anniversary of the Super Bowl. Check out the itinerary for upcoming events at www2016 worldsfair.wordpress.com and truebyrecords.com including Paradise's first international boycott of the Super Bowl to protest the slaughter, exploitation, and mass incarceration of black people, poor people, and people of color. We're asking fans and players to boycott. But if you must go to the game, don't forget your Black Lives Matter umbrella because it's going to rain, rain, rain. Who am I? I am a microphone on the world stage to which our ancestors speak. I am another you, the one you seek. I am, I am that six foot five inch joint giving the whole community a contact high. I am your local 
Yoni-centric, Afromantic, shaman, poet, priest from the East, the mouth of the South, and the best in the West, Paradise Free Dial, Love Supreme, witness of and local representative of the Universal Hypnist. Paradise. Thank you so much for those words. Um, I would like to thank all the uh, writers tonight. Charles, um, Bethola, Paradise, and Nefertiti. Thank you so much for being here on Full Circle. I want to say that uh, the 26th annual celebration of African Americans through their poetry is happening on Saturdays, February the 6th from 1 to 4 p.m. at the West Oakland Library, 1801 Adline Street. And today's the last day to sign up if you want to participate. Also, don't forget to go online to uh, uh, kpfaapprentice.org to get your application for the new apprenticeship group. A very special thanks to all our guests again tonight. Our executive producer is Mickey Mays. Our technical director is Frank Sterling. Joy Moore is our production, our production consultant. Thanks, Ginger Jackson, for your technical directing and for operating the board. My appreciation to all of you for joining me tonight on Full Circle. I've been your host, Zakia G.E. Capehart. Stay tuned. La Unda Baita is next. <laughs>